Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. The story you're about to hear is a true birth story. It's the real deal, and it may not be appropriate for sensitive ears. On today's episode... We're doing great. The doctors are doing their thing. I'm feeling fantastic and just so happy to hear them cry and that they're healthy. My husband sits back down. We're crying and hugging, and he's showing me the photos that he took. And then we hear my doctor say, can somebody call a general surgeon? And both my husband and I are like, "Uh, excuse me. I know this isn't normal. Can you explain this? Welcome to episode six. Today's episode is the second part of a two-part birth story all about conceiving, caring, delivering, and recovering from birthing twins. If you missed part one, it's a great idea to stop listening right now, go back, listen to episode five, and then come back and finish the story here. For those of you who already listened to episode five, here's a quick recap of where we left off. After trying for years to conceive and beginning the process of fertility treatments, our high-risk mom was astonished to discover that she had become pregnant naturally and also that she was pregnant with fraternal twins. The first trimester went by without a hitch, but in her second trimester, she was diagnosed with an incompetent cervix and a cerclage was placed to prevent the babies coming too early. She was then put on strict bed rest for the rest of her pregnancy. Well, she made it all the way to 34 weeks and her body began to go into labor and we left off with her story just after she had arrived at the hospital. The conclusion of the story is truly a wild ride. We talk about what it's like to receive magnesium sulfate before delivering premature babies, some crazy complications that occurred during her C-section, what it's like to breastfeed twins who are in the NICU, and some more pretty epic events that happened to her during those early weeks postpartum. We also have a very intimate conversation all about getting to know and love your new mom bod and also what it's like to rediscover your sexuality after giving birth, especially after giving birth to twins. For those of you who are particularly squeamish, just a heads up, there are a few moments in this episode that get a little gruesome, but I chose to leave all the details in because I believe it's really important to hear not only the extremities of what some women go through when they bring new life into the world, but also because some of what she shares could potentially save another mom's life if they know what warning signs to look out for. So it's important stuff. Thanks for joining me for another thrilling journey into new motherhood. I'm Christy Williams, and this is Birth. So now now we're at the hospital. They've checked me in. They know that I'm having contractions, but it's Friday and I'm super high risk and they do not want to deliver Friday because the high risk team isn't in till Monday. Oh. So they decide that they're going to try to push it all the way through the weekend. Are they giving you anything to keep the contractions? So they gave me, you know, I'm going to be honest, I don't actually know. There was one medication as a shot. But they did give you something they did to give me stop something the to, to Yeah, to stop to lessen the contraction. Them, lessen maybe. them, I guess, mm-hmm. is the term. And they wanted me to try to wait till Monday. That way they could get in two steroid shots to help the boy's lungs mature faster mm-hmm. and do 48 hours of magnesium. 
And that's not something that I realized was something that they do either. I've never heard of that. No. Can it, you please tell me about that? I don't want to scare anybody. It was no, totally let's, worth let's it. No, let's scare everybody. But <laughs> holy cow, I have been through like, I've been through so many health issues. I've had collapsed lungs. I've had my digestive system shut down on me. I have had emergency surgeries. I, large portion of my sinuses removed. Magnesium was the worst thing I've ever been through. Wow. I do not wish that on anybody. I'm glad that it helps the boys, and I would 100% do it again for my boys and for any baby. But that is probably the hardest thing. Yes, I would say that is the hardest thing I've ever been through. What is what is what happens? They give you a shot of no, it's what, what it's is an the, IV drip. It's an IV drip. Okay, and it helps stop the contractions. At the same time, it makes you feel like you have the worst flu you've ever had. Oh. You get so hot that they turned the temperature in my room down to 50 degrees and I still was sleeping with ice packs on me. My poor husband brought all of his winter clothes in and was wearing two pairs of pants and three sweatshirts and a beanie to sleep in. And I was still sweating and burning up and you're lethargic. You can't talk. You can't think straight. Nothing really works. You're sort of just like there in this weird existence-ish, but you can't even get your thoughts across. So they had the magnesium going at the same time as, what was the other? Uh, I thought they gave you something else too. They gave, they were giving me shots. Oh, of, okay. Oh, right, right, I can't right. think of the medication. For, to help but, they, the, but the magnesium was to help the boys' lungs? Help the boys' lungs as well. And steroid shots. Steroid for, shots, for, got it. So they do a steroid shot every 24 hours and they try to get two in if they can. Wow. So steroid shots, magnesium, and something else to try to keep the contractions down. We were able to get them to every six minutes, which was great. Yeah. And the magnesium, a lot of times they'll do 24 hours. My doctor wanted 48 hours. Mm. And so <laughs> no. it was <laughs> when he told me that, I was just like, oh my goodness. Were you vomiting? Or no, it was just you're like just so it's it is it's like imagine that the worst flu you've ever had mm. where you can't do anything. The other thing that made it worse was that because they never knew when they were going to need to send me in to deliver me in case the contractions got closer, I wasn't allowed to eat. Yeah. So the last time I had eaten was Thursday night. That's horrible. And it got, yeah. So you ate, you didn't eat from Thursday night to Monday? I didn't eat from Thursday night till Tuesday morning. Girl. Yeah. I was complaining about 53 hours of no food. That is in. Incredible. Yeah. I had like three or four spoonfuls of chicken broth and yeah, half a cup of diet apple juice. Or whatever. Yeah. I think Saturday night. That's what not they good let enough. me um, Wow. Yeah. So. So you must have been shaky and headache and was, the whole It was thing. crazy. It was the most physically tasking thing. Yeah. On top of that, we had my husband's family was out from Boston. Were to they come in the hospital? Us. My parents had driven up from San Diego, and all four grandparents were hanging out in the hospital room with me. Oh, no. Because they no. didn't want to miss in case, like, But emergency. you had invited them in? or I mean, I had let them come in. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's okay. But, you know, at that point, too, I was like, I don't know. I'm just so gone. Like, that's fine. 
yeah, whatever. Let's yeah. just hang out. Let's do this. Did you have any other birth support person? I didn't. We didn't talk about doulas or anything. But had you decided that you didn't need one because you were gonna because of the sort of birth you had planned? Yeah, or? we just we didn't have anybody else. Yeah, so we just had the medical team, and they were fantastic. They really the nurses were amazing, and like I said, they became like family. So right. even if they weren't my nurse, they were stopping in to check on. Did me. you feel like? The 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 nurses were kind of helping explain what was happening to you and helping you understand that it was normal. Or did you feel like you didn't know that magnesium was going to be that awful and then it just kept going and then no one was really like explaining? They were really great about coming in and letting me know that this is how it's going to be. This is really terrible. And to be honest, some women do take magnesium and are like, that's fine. I It was totally fine. I don't know if for me it was just really rough because I also hadn't eaten and I had everything else on top of it. They're probably giving you more too because twins. Yeah. And and my dose was much higher than a normal dose, which was crazy. Ooh, girl. So we did it. We made it through. So Monday. Monday. Monday comes. Monday comes and they tell me Sunday night, your babies will come tomorrow. And I was so excited because I couldn't wait to eat and meet them. Yes. You know, not necessarily in that order, but maybe at times there were there were there were times where I was like, I can't wait to eat. I mean, I'll be excited to meet my babies, but I'm really excited to eat food. Yes. <laughs> they tell me Monday morning you'll deliver at seven a.m. and I was super excited. And seven a.m. comes and they tell me we had an emergency C-section. You got pushed to eleven. Okay, fine. Eleven a.m. comes. They tell me they had another emergency C-section. So I got pushed to the two o'clock. Is this because your doctor is performing those C-sections? It's or? because they have they only really have one major operating room. Gotcha. They have two, okay, but they have one that's a bit more advanced. And I was still stable. Mm-hmm. And so I got pushed, which is fine. I understand there's emergencies. Two o'clock comes, and they had major fires going on here in California oh, that yeah, day. Oh, yeah, that was during that. And the anesthesiologist and a couple others' houses were getting evacuated. So the team had to leave. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I got delayed even more until they could get a second team in. But four o'clock comes, and we find, they're like, okay, it's time. It's finally ready. Let's go. And I was so excited that I probably jumped out of that bed faster than they oh, could have like seen anybody. And they let me walk to the operating room oh, myself. Oh, good. Oh, good. It was just like right, right down the hall. So I got to walk. And, um, and at that point, it wasn't as scary because I had been through the epidural process before. So I knew what to expect. Mm. I'd also been through a lot of surgeries before. So for me, it, the operating room wasn't very scary. Mm-hmm. I kind of understood what was happening. Who was allowed in the room? Just your husband? Just my husband. Okay. Mm-hmm. And because we had the cerclage placed, they were going to remove that first mm-hmm. because sometimes in the midst of other chaos, they can forget and you have to go back later. So they like to start with that. Good. And then we had also decided that because this pregnancy was so high risk and so chaotic and was going to take such a toll on my body that we were also going to do a tubal ligation. So get my tubes tied. Okay, great. We felt like we got super lucky with both boys and just were very happy with our family of four. And if I'm already open, let's just do it and call it a day. So we were going to do cerclage removal, delivery, and then tubal ligation. So it was going to take a minute. So it was going to take a minute. So they did the cerclage removal, which was fine. And then they invited my husband to come in. 
and the delivery was amazing. Everything was perfect. Did you choose to watch or did you have a sheet? I had a sheet up. They didn't really give me the option. I could have watched if, if they gave me that, but my husband did take photos of it. So that was good. He stood up. So he did watch. He watched some of it uh, kind of at the like most important times. Yeah. Um, oh, that must have been so crazy. It was, it was, I was just seeing his face as he's watching was unbelievable. And I think for him, he was super intimidated and very scared and he doesn't like medical procedures. Mm. But because of what was happening, he felt like it was worth watching and yeah. it wasn't as intimidating and oh it's like some special magic yeah and so they told him they were like all right get ready your first baby's coming out and he stands up he starts taking photos they pull the first one out he starts screaming and crying (laughs) and that is that's the best feeling in the world when you hear that cry after being so worried and hoping and then you just hear them scream and you're like everything works. He's healthy. He's doing good. They take baby A over to the table. They tell my husband to come over. He can take photos while they're cleaning him up. And then a minute later, they tell my husband, baby B's coming. Are you ready? Turn around. Now my husband has no idea what to do. He's like, I'm taking photos of this baby. I want to go kiss my wife. Wait, there's a second baby coming. What am I supposed to be doing? (laughs) He is just standing in the middle of the operating room, turning in circles. He has no idea what he's supposed to be looking at. And then they get baby B out and he starts screaming right away too. Wow. Super healthy. Um, They both got a nine rating on the... Oh, that's really good. Yeah. They were little. Yep. So they were they were little. Baby A Tell was me how big. four pounds, four ounces. Okay. Baby B was three pounds, nine ounces. Little, but very healthy. Mm. The APGAR score is used in all birth settings, hospital, birth center, and at home. What is an APGAR score? The APGAR score is a test given to newborns soon after birth, and this test checks a baby's heart rate, muscle tone, and other signs to see if extra medical care or emergency care is needed. The test is usually given twice, once at one minute after birth and again at five minutes after birth. Newborns have a pretty extreme transition from being in the uterus to being in the outside world, and the APGAR score is just a numerical representation of how well your new baby is adjusting to those first moments. What does APGAR mean? APGAR stands for appearance, pulse, grimace, activity, and respiration. In the test, five things are used to check a baby's health, and each is scored on a scale of zero to two, with two being the best score. Skin color, heart rate, reflexes, muscle tone, breathing rate, and effort. Doctors, midwives, or nurses add up these five factors for the APGAR score. Scores are between 10 and zero, and 10 is the highest score possible, but a lower score does not mean that your baby is unhealthy. It just means that your baby may need some immediate medical care, such as suctioning of airways or oxygen to help him or her breathe better. Perfectly healthy babies sometimes have a lower than usual score, especially in the first few minutes after birth. This test was not designed to predict your baby's long-term health, behavior, intelligence, personality, or outcome. It's just designed to help healthcare providers tell a newborn's overall physical condition so they can quickly decide whether the baby needs immediate medical care or not. With a little time to adjust to their new environment and any necessary medical care, most babies do very well. So don't focus on the number, just enjoy your new baby. They didn't need to be rushed to the NICU. 
which felt good. They got to wait till they were both ready. Uh, my husband got to cut the umbilical cords. We got to take photos with them. And then they got to go both get placed in the same bassinet and wheeled to the NICU together. Oh, wow. When did you get to see them or touch them? Or? I got to touch baby B right away. Okay. Baby A was just kind of chaotic, but we did get a photo with all four of us immediately. So I got to see both of them. I actually chose to wait because I was still healing. I didn't actually see them until really early the next morning. So they're very healthy. We're doing great. The doctors are doing their thing. I'm feeling fantastic and just so happy to hear them cry and that they're healthy. My husband sits back down. We're crying and hugging and he's showing me the photos that he took. At that point in a C-section, they will let your husband choose or the two of you can talk about it if he follows the boys down to the NICU and stays with your baby or if he stays with you. And it just depends. It's every couple has their own comfort level. For us, we knew that there would be a huge NICU team surrounding the boys. And so my husband decided to stay with me and let the team do what they were doing because they were healthy. There was no real real reason to follow them. I think I would have chosen that too. Because talk about vulnerable, you know, and also you had a procedure following the C-section where they're tying your tubes, right? Yeah, so I was going to be there for a little bit. So he decided to stay with me and comfort me. Were you guys so emotional? Oh, we were both like crying. Like I could care less what was happening on the Mm. other side of the curtain. Mm -hmm. Obviously, my my life is just like, I did it. We made it. it. 34 weeks is when um, doctors and NICU teams, they stop worrying about babies. Mm -hmm. And so we made it. We made it to 34 and 2. And so we knew, like, nobody was going to be worried about them. They just needed to feed and grow. They didn't need oxygen. They were awesome. So we were just so excited and happy and um, looking at photos and crying. And then we hear my doctor say, can somebody call a general surgeon? Mm. And both my husband and I are like, "Uh, excuse me. I know this isn't normal. Mm. Can you explain this? And my doctor looks over the curtain and goes, your appendix looks weird. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, I didn't even know you were poking around in there, but uh, okay. And so he goes, yeah, I need, I need a second opinion. I need somebody to look at this to tell me if it should come out. And then I need somebody to take it out if it should. Oh, wow. And so we're just sitting there. This is the point where you forget that this is just a day-to-day job for these people because they're waiting for however long it takes to get the general surgeon in, and they're sitting there joking, and they're laughing, and they're just talking about their weekend plans and their kids' birthday parties, and like... And you're like, I'm hungry. I'm I'm starving, (laughs) and my intestines are sitting on the table next to me. Like, what are we... Wow. What? This is so weird. You know where my mind goes, though? When you say that is like, what are the, A, what are the chances? But B, thank God that you were around a team that knew what they were doing that could help you. Mm -hmm. And that was willing to take a look. He, and he, you know, I'm like, what are you looking at? He goes, you're open. I'm going to take a look at everything that I can see and just make sure that there's nothing that I should be worried about. And that made me feel very reassured that Mm. he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And I was like, that's, that's very nice of you. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. So how long did it take to get the surgeon in? So he was already cleaned up and at his car (laughs) when he got the phone call. So he came in, scrubbed in, takes a look, and he goes, yeah, that doesn't look right. You could leave it, but we could remove it. We're already open. There's a good chance it'll rupture in the future. Let's just take it out. 
And so he just it took another 35 minutes and he just removed, went ahead and removed my appendix right there. And I'm like, this is the weirdest appendectomy ever. I'm awake. My husband's sitting here. My doctors are joking about what they should do this weekend. And this general surgeon is just like sitting there taking it out. Wow. Wow. I think I've said wow during your story about 50,000 times because this is hard to believe. Mm -hmm. I also just became a mom to twins. This is, I don't know what's going on today. So they take it out and then they all start laughing. And we're like, what are you laughing at? And he goes, I'm going to be honest. The reason I thought it looked weird is because it looks like a baby penis. <laughs> you grew another baby penis. Like, well, I had two, so I might as well have three. Like, oh my gosh! Oh yeah, you had two little penises. I inside had two you. little penises inside of me, so I might as well have three. Yeah, they remove the appendix, um, and he closes me up, and. I will also tell you in the middle of this, my cystic fibrosis doctor was so excited about this delivery and she's part of the hospital team and her office is right across the street. She's watching the live notes of the delivery and sees that they call for a general surgeon and she comes rushing across the street. And at this point, there's so many people that have been in and out that the operating room door is open. And so she comes, she doesn't scrub in, but she stands out in the hallway. Mm. And so she's talking to me during the middle of this too and saying, oh yeah, people with cystic fibrosis, their appendixes can look weird. It's totally normal, but you should remove it. So then we don't have to worry about it. So I've got a general surgeon working on removing it. My other doctor is having a full on conversation with me during the middle of this surgery too, from the hallway. My husband's sitting there freaking out because he just became a dad, just saw two babies pulled out of me, but is also sitting in on my surgery. Like, Doctor's team's laughing about this baby penis appendix. It was just this surreal moment of like, what is happening right now? But this seems fitting. <laughs> yeah. uh, how do you heal from a surgery like like that? You had so many things going on. So many things. It was crazy. What were the first couple days like? Was it just how much pain were you in? Did you feel like your pain was managed? Like what was what was going on? So it was decently painful. Um, because I hadn't eaten, my digestive system wasn't working properly. Mm. And they really were focused on getting me to go, number two, before mm. I got to go home. But I hadn't eaten. And so there was kind of this back and forth. And they did try to give me um, give me some things to make me go, which made the pain worse because mm-hmm. I didn't have anything in my system. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, though, within the first day or so, I wasn't taking very, very high pain meds. It was pretty manageable. It did hurt to get up. I would say use the bed to help yourself get up. Yeah. But by day number two, and I was there for five days, okay. by day number two, I was getting myself in and out. I was walking down to the NICU to see the boys. We were walking the hallway. I was very comfortable eating. It is painful. I'm not going to lie. And it was definitely a little more painful than I expected, considering that I knew so many women who had had C-sections. Mm-hmm. And it always seemed like they were like, yeah, you have a C-section, and but you're caring for your baby and you're doing all this. And I was like, how do you care for your baby while you're like mm-hmm. feeling so much pain? Thank you for that, that honesty. You know? Because, I mean, I just, yeah. people don't generally right. act like it's that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But and maybe for some women it's not, and that's okay. Yeah. That's good. But other women don't feel crazy if you're like, right. this is really 
this is really hard. If you say, this is really hard for me. Yeah. It's okay. It's all right. Take your pain meds. Take your pain meds on time. Mm. Don't let your nurse even. I had one nurse that was not the best, and she would get an hour behind. And I was mm. just like, you're not cutting it, lady. Mm. Let's stay on top of this. Yeah. Take your pain meds. Take what you need. Yeah. Don't be ashamed if you need to take a little bit more. And know your nurses. Yeah. I had one nurse that was fantastic. She didn't question me at all if I said I needed more. And I had another nurse that fought me every single time. And I didn't always go immediately to the high one. I would take the lower dose and I would give myself an hour and see if I needed the higher one. And so one nurse would, she wouldn't question. She was like, you gave yourself the proper amount of time Mm -hmm. to see if you needed it. And if you say you need it, I trust you. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're immediately asking for the higher dose. So, and I had another nurse that would be like, are you sure? Are you sure? And by the time I got it, it was like hours later. Mm-hmm. And I was just in so much pain by that point. I was screaming, mm-hmm. which was crazy. So were you in a wheelchair then go to the NICU? No, I walked. You walked. Okay. Yeah, I was able to walk and they encourage you to walk. Okay. And it does help. It helps kind of loosen things up. and After laying down you. for... 17 or yeah. longer week, uh, how many weeks, yes. whatever, a At long that point, time. It was uh, 14 and a half. But still, come on. Yeah. That's a long time. So my muscles were major atrophy. Mm. It was, I think that probably also hindered the healing on the C-section and why I probably felt a little more pain in mm. the days after because I hadn't been getting up and my legs were very weak. My midsection was very weak. Mm. Um, so, and also twins, you probably more stress, stretched out a yeah. little further than most mm-hmm. people. But I was able to walk the halls and walk down to the NICU and see the boys. And that was amazing. You know, that really, really helped. And they were super healthy. They latched day one. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. What is breastfeeding too like? Tandem feeding is a trip. It is crazy. I cannot imagine. Do you just, are you just, you're just breastfeeding 24 seven? So how did that go? So I was pumping. Okay, yeah. So tell me about the boys and at the NICU. Sorry, I'm like jumping around. That's fine. But uh, what was the journey like in the weeks after? I was there for five days, which was the time, you know, the max allotted time that my insurance would let me stay, which seems crazy that that's what decides on how long you get to stay at the hospital. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, in our country, that's That's a lot of times Mm -hmm. what chooses it. But the boys were really healthy. I can say for me, it was easier to go home and leave them there than I expected. Okay. I know every mom's going to be different, and it can be heartbreaking, too, for the first time since you found out you were having a baby to leave and not have them with you. But it sounds like you already had a lot of trust in your yeah. in your medical team. In my, yeah. The NICU was... It felt like home. We loved the nurses. We knew the boys were safe there. Mm -hmm. Somebody was watching them 24 hours. I knew that I would be able to get rest and heal. Mm -hmm. And so it felt more comforting than I expected to be okay and leave them. In the first week after being in the hospital, I was very lucky with the C-section with them coming early. My milk came in this next day. Oh, wow. Doesn't always happen. Some women have to wait till full term. C-sections are different for every woman. My colostrum came in almost immediately. My milk came in the next morning. Great. So I was able to start pumping immediately and get the boys milk right away, like my milk. Because in the NICU, a lot of times you can do donated milk Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And then day number two, they really let me breastfeed. We started latching day one. 
when I walked down. And day number two, we started actually breastfeeding. I would stay down there as long as I could. It's only so comfortable to sit up after a C-section. Mm-hmm. I can see how, I'm not saying having one baby would be easier at all, but I would feed one baby in the beginning and then turn around and have to feed a whole second baby. Mm-hmm. And so we would really only do one round of breastfeeding and then let me go rest. I'm going to say as someone who had a singleton, it's (laughs) easier (laughs) because it's already hard to have one that you're breastfeeding around the clock. I respect, I have respect that you even tried to breastfeed, that you even, you know, that you even like really went through that because especially you're recovering from major surgery from four different things. Yeah. Basically. Mm Mm-hmm that you had done during your surgery, it's not a, just a normal run-of-the-mill experience. No. So on top of all that, the fact that you're you're breastfeeding two babies is, mm-hmm. I, I give you a lot of respect. Yeah. So we'd go down, start one, one would breastfeed for 40 minutes. And then the NICU, if you don't know, the NICU keeps babies on a three-hour schedule. It helps to kind of regulate them get them used to what they potentially will be on when they get home. And then it helps mothers heal a little faster. It gives you longer than just that two hour break would. So for that with twins, unfortunately, I didn't have as much of a break as someone with a singleton would, Mm -hmm. but I feed one for 45 minutes, get like maybe a 10 minute break. And then they keep the babies on an hour difference. So one baby would eat at eight, the next baby would eat at nine. Mm -hmm. So then I'd get maybe a 10 minute break. And then the next one would eat from nine to, you know, almost 10. Mm -hmm. And then baby A would eat again at 11. I may or may not do that second feed, just depending on how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. But in between, I was able to pump and get them milk. And it was amazing because I was able to completely supply them with every feed. That is really, really cool that you're able to give that to them. For two babies, which is crazy. Yeah. So that's a lot of milk. <laughs> it a is lot a lot of milk. For two babies. Your body is working on overtime. Yeah. Wait. It's time for fun facts you didn't know about giving birth. Women are amazing transformers. During pregnancy, your body goes through some pretty epic transformations to grow a human, allow that human to leave your body, and survive on the liquid gold provided by your body afterwards. But the cost of being such a magical creature is that there are a few permanent changes that occur after that transformation takes place. And today's fun fact is, sorry... Pregnancy will cause permanent changes to your breasts. After pregnancy, and it doesn't matter if you breastfeed or not, either way, your breasts most likely won't look or feel the same as they used to. You may have gained or lost weight, and it's not unusual to find your breasts have altered in size and shape compared to how they were pre-pregnancy. These changes are normal, and they're just another one of those changes your breasts go through during your lifetime. But some common changes to your breasts post-baby include, again, sorry, but a slightly saggy appearance, change in breast shape and texture, new stretch marks that weren't there before, and for some women, even larger and more perky or darker nipples. But how your breasts will change is completely based on your genetics, your age, your body composition, how much weight you gain or lose, and how many pregnancies you have. Hey, some women's breasts stay larger or they snap back to pre-baby size. But be aware that it's also very common 
for your breasts to actually become smaller. Some women go down a cup size, but others find that their boobs are pretty much the same size. They just lack a little of the buoyancy that they once had. Hey, look, my point of view is that we are all aging rapidly anyways. And the sooner we embrace our ever-changing and aging bodies and love ourselves just the way we are, then the happier we're going to be long-term. Love yourself, woman. Those new breasts are just evidence of your magic. And now back to the show. There's so many questions I have about the babies and about what that experience is and everything, but I want to focus on you. Okay. Because I feel like... Most of the time when a woman gives birth, the focus is usually on the new life, Mm -hmm. right? The new lives that are here now. And a lot of those things that we go through afterwards, we don't really end up talking about because it doesn't seem like that big of a deal compared to what, you know, this newness is happening. Mm -hmm. But how were you? How are you doing mentally? I mean, what? tell me about the, the first few weeks healing. How long did it take you to heal? So for me... It ultimately took a full eight weeks to get to the very bare minimum of healing. Normally with a C-section, it, can, it would take two weeks to get to where what took me eight weeks. Right away in the hospital, it was going really well. Things, my incision looked great. Pain management was under control by the time I got to the end and I was headed home. I was moving around really well, going to the bathroom by myself. I didn't need any help getting out of bed. I had a lot of times where I was actually feeling pretty comfortable. So everything was great. And then I went home and it probably the day, about two or three days after I was home, I would have moments where I was in a lot of pain. And at this point, I was just taking the basic Tylenol, but they'd sent me home with something stronger in case I needed it. Mm-hmm. And usually they tell you to take that maybe for the first week you're home, sometimes into the second. And by the end of the first week, I was almost reliant upon that strong pain medication. Mm. And I should have known something was up then because I normally don't take pain medication and my the amount I was taking had increased. Mm-hmm. I started at home with the basic Tylenol and then moved up to right. the stronger the stuff opposite. and it should have been the opposite. Mm-hmm. And it kind of went like that and I had moments where I was just in so much pain I couldn't move around the house and I was just doubled over, didn't want to get out of bed. I had never been through a C-section before, and I had never really talked to other women. And I was like, maybe this is normal. Because at this point, I'd felt like what I experienced in the hospital was much more intense than what I expected. So maybe recovery is much more intense than what I should have expected. There was also this feeling in the back of my mind that I was like, there's no way that all these women have been through this and have felt okay. Mm-hmm. But I kept going with it. I was like, I've got my appointment at two weeks. We'll see. Hopefully everything's normal. Two days before my two-week appointment, I was changing the sheets on my bed. Something very light. They'll tell you, you can do it. I'm not lifting anything heavy. And then I go to the bathroom after that, and my pants are full of blood. Had you been bleeding a lot before that? Like a, No, a and we're not ta- And it's not like in my underwear bleeding. Oh. Like the top of my pants oh, oh. are soaked in blood. Oh, and I could tell that it was from my incision. And had you just had it covered with a bandage and you were just changing a bandage up, the, up to no, that point? No, so for a C-section, they glue it shut. You get stitches on the underlying layers, but the top layer, they'll just glue shut. They'll, they use staples for the first couple days, and then they'll remove the staples before you go home. Usually, 
Um, again, every C-section is different. Every doctor is different. Right. But from what I understand, they remove the staples. They send you home with kind of it's glued shut. But you don't need a bandage over it. And you can shower, and okay. it's closed enough, and it should continue healing just fine. Okay, good. So your your pants. So my pants are soaked. The top part of my pants are soaked in blood. And I freak out, obviously, because at this point, I'm so close to two weeks, I know that I should, the incision should be closed. Mm. And I'm bleeding <laughs> from it. I call my husband into the bathroom, and I've got a towel over me. Like, the only thing I could grab was a towel. And I was like, can you, I can't see, because I still have a pregnant belly. I can't see what's going on. And he has me remove the towel, and blood just starts pouring out. And he freaks out, obviously. He's like, we've got to lay you down. And I'm like, what do, what do we do? How bad is it? Because I can't even see how bad it is. And I'm like, is there a ton of blood? Is it pouring out? Is it dripping out? Is it what? And he's like, I don't know. And this is where that, when you're pregnant and when you're going through this, all of your humility and everything, it kind of goes out the window. You've got so many people touching you and looking at places that you never thought anybody else would be. Mm -hmm. My husband and I 100% joked because I was on bed rest and pelvic rest, which is where you cannot do anything sexual. You can't do anything. Mm -hmm. um, I had more people touch me than my husband got to for months. Mm -hmm. So everything goes out the window and we, we had to continue that into recovery. My husband is, was in such like shock and having no idea what to do, we had to call his mom in who was living with us because mm -hmm. my in-laws were there. Mm -hmm. And here I am laid on the bathroom floor. I've got my pants completely off and I've got to let my mother-in-law come in and see, see everything yeah. because we needed an opinion. This is an emergency. It's an emergency. <laughs> and so everything's out the window at this point. I'm like, you've, I, I don't know, yeah, but I'm me. bleeding. Yeah, I, we've just we've got to figure this out. And so she comes in, and she kind of we are like we have we just we have to go. We have to go to the emergency room. I'm supposed to be healed at this point. Nothing looks right. So we rushed down to the emergency room. It was really late at night. Luckily, traffic mm -hmm. didn't matter here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So we were able to make it down to the hospital I delivered at. Okay. On the way there, we called my doctor just to let him know. Yeah. But it's now midnight as we're headed into the emergency room. We get there. The emergency room team sort of looks at me. I'm not in a ton of pain at this point, but I have been off and on. My pain would come in huge waves, and I would either have no pain or a ton of pain. And so it was really hard to tell kind of what was going on. Mm. The emergency room team thinks that maybe it was just that some stitches popped open, but they're not really sure. And my doctor then gets back to us, says that he just wants to come in himself. By then, it's wow. 2 a.m. My doctor wow. gets himself dressed at 2 a.m., and comes into the emergency room. He takes one look at me and says, this is a major infection. If we let this go any longer, you could get sepsis and get extremely sick. Oh, no. He goes, our only option is to rip it all back open and let you heal. And I was like, okay, what does that take? And he goes, no, we just rip it open. And I was like, right here? He goes, yes, we just rip it open. I was like... He's, he used the word rip? Yeah. Yeah, because again, his Ugh. bedside manner is, is amazing. <laughs> um, so he says, you're going to need to hold your breath and hold your husband's hand. Ready? What? And so I grab my husband's hand 
and I take the deepest breath I can. And he just starts, he starts ripping off glue. He starts ripping open parts that had healed. He had to remove some stitches in the underlying layers. And then... Are you telling me he didn't give you any an- anesthesia? Nothing. Like nothing? No, we just had to go for it. This is barbaric. It was oh, crazy. It's just because he needed to do it immediately? he had to do it so fast. And oh, the thing is goodness. that if he was to give me other stuff, it's like he then has to fill out these forms. And it, there's just so many steps in the medical system here that are horrible. Mm-hmm. And in order to do the anesthetic, then it would we would have to wait for it to set in, which would be another 45 minutes and whatever else. Right. And you could be septic by that and point. I, yeah. We, he doesn't know what's going on. And he doesn't want to make anything worse. He doesn't want to. So he was just like, we've just got to go. So he just has me hold my husband's hand and he just goes for it. And I have to grit my teeth. I have to take deep breaths. I have to hold my breath. And he just opens everything up. And then he starts pressing on everything to get as much out as he possibly can. And he's just squeezing blood out. From are you, where parts. are you looking at this point? Are you? I am uh, trying you... my best to just look at the ceiling <laughs> wow. and letting him do what he's got to do. And it took about 15 minutes of him pressing on every part of my belly. Mm. Now, once you get birth, you'll find that they press on your uterus and that is not fun. And they yeah. press other places that are tender and that is not fun. And now to have all that still happening while you also have a major infection is just... I'm, I can't even process. I, my mind goes, I don't even know what that level of pain. That's so much worse to me. But I will tell you, I will take that 100 times over magnesium. Okay. So. <laughs> At least you have a worse experience to compare so that to. Point, I was like, I will take 15 minutes of this over 48 hours of magnesium any day. Okay. And so we got to the end of it, and I am almost completely open backed up, back up. He was able to leave the stitches for my uterus, which had closed, which because it ha- wasn't that deep. And I think he was able to leave part of the stitches for the one of the underlying other underlying layers. But other than that, everything was open back up. And I had a giant open wound that was about seven inches wide on my abdomen. And he says the, at this point, because I don't know how bad the infection is, we have to just let it heal from the inside out. So you're going to, we're just going to put a huge abdomen, abdomen bandage across you and we're going to tape it and you'll just have to come back every other day. We'll remove the packing because he packs it full of everything to keep it from getting infected. He goes, we'll change the packing out. We'll change the abdomen bandage and then we'll, uh, and we'll just do that every two days and we'll see what happens from there. <laughs> so all of this at two weeks postpartum mm-hmm. and you're just trying to figure out how to be a mother. You're trying to. You're just trying to take care of twins. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get through the night, and then this. Yeah. Well, luckily, so the twins were in the NICU still. Oh, okay. So luckily, I didn't. It, it was kind of a blessing that they weren't at home. I wow. was pumping every two hours, right, around the clock to make enough milk and to keep make sure that it was staying up. So you were in the hospital then. I was at home pumping every two hours. No, but I mean, oh. like, after he ripped all the stitches out and everything. No, he just sent me he home. He sent you home. Yeah, I just lived like that. Wow. I just lived with a giant open wound. They couldn't shower for two weeks. And, yeah, you kind of just live with a giant bandage. For the first three weeks, it bleeds into the bandage. And then after about mm, six hours, the bandage can't hold anymore. And so I had 
maxi pads taped all inside my underwear in every possible place they could go. And those I could change out as often as I needed to, but I couldn't take the abdominal bandage off. And then we'd go down every other day and he would take the packing out. He'd change that bandage and then... How did you cope? I probably cried the most during those that next two weeks after of just, I was just, I'm tired of being uncomfortable and I'm tired of being in pain and I'm tired of nothing being normal. Yeah. You can't catch a break. I can't. Yeah. And so I just cried and my husband had been so strong and so supportive, but I do remember that there was one moment at, I think probably two weeks after the whole emergency room thing happened. And I am crying. I'm just, I'm still, I'm so frustrated that I haven't been able to shower. Not eating really did a number on my digestive system. So I still had, my stomach was upset all the time. I wasn't able to eat food regularly. I'm obviously sleep deprived from pumping every two hours. And the hormone rage. My hormones are obviously all over. The boys are still in the NICU. Things were crazy. And my husband just he stops me and he goes I understand what you're going through but I I'm really sorry to ask this of you but I really need you to be strong for me today and that was the first time that he had like ever asked something from me and it was so it was just so hard and both of us were just in this moment of we had hit our max mm. together and I could see him and he was he had been through so much Emotionally, it was hard for him, for me to be on bed rest, all the emotions for him of the boys and are they healthy? Will they come out okay? And then watching me go through everything that I went through. And it was the hardest thing emotionally we've probably ever really been through. Yeah. But we made it. I think that was probably the last time I cried because we both needed it. We just hugged each other. We sat there for about an hour. And then that was where the turning point happened and we started seeing my stomach heal. The next mm -hmm. time we went in, my doctor was like, it's looking really good. I don't see any more infection. I finally was not taking any more pain pills other than just having a giant bandage on. I felt fantastic. I started being able to eat regularly. And just the hard part was that we were driving 40 minutes to two hours every day down to see the boys at the NICU and back home. Yeah. And that made it hard, but I couldn't imagine going through what I went through and having two babies at home, trying to take care of them. Yeah, that's a lot. You guys have gone through a lot. Yeah. Hey, it's Christy just interrupting this conversation real quick to remind you that there's a very, very, very valuable resource that I've made for you. It's our website, birthshow.com. I've recently added videos to the labor and delivery page, a three series online birth class taught by a great educator and midwife, Holiday Tyson. My husband and I found this birth class so helpful when we were preparing for having a baby. And she talks about some stuff on this online class that we never heard about in the birth class that we attended at our hospital. It's so good. You can see what I packed in my hospital bag, which items my postpartum nurse gave me to help me with healing, what breastfeeding and bottle feeding supplies I highly recommend, birthshow.com. Go check it out and send a link to anyone you know who might be preparing to give birth and are wondering how best to be equipped and prepared for that birthshow.com. So we did that 
and we saw a turning point. I was feeling good. Everything was feeling good. And then we, at six weeks post the emergency room visit, we realized my incision was getting worse. Mm -hmm. It had stopped healing. And then part of the tissue inside had started to grow out of the incision. And internal tissue was healing itself to my external skin. (laughs) What was that a side effect of your your cystic fibrosis? It was just, just a fluke. Just a fluke. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes your internal tissue grows like it grows, and because it had seen an exit out of the incision that hadn't closed, it started to grow out and heal faster than the incision was healing. What did they do? And during one of the doctor's visits, <laughs> we had another moment of you're going to just have to hold your breath. It was one of those where he was like, we could go into an operating room or an emergency room. We could try to numb it. We could, but that's going to take me two hours before I can do that for you. If not four hours, you're going to have to sit here. Or if you can hold your breath for two minutes and I can fix it right now. And I was like, all right, I can hold my breath for two minutes. Like, you know, just take deep breaths, hold it in as much as possible. This doctor is kind of (laughs) (laughs) intense. Yes. Wow, but he must know how strong you are. Yeah. Because that's a lot to ask from somebody. Mm -hmm. But I'm just glad he was honest with Mm -hmm. me, though. Right. Because I I don't want to waste four hours waiting for him to be ready to be able to do something that's going to take him a minute and a half or two minutes if he thinks I can make it through. And so he, in his office, he had to burn the extra tissue off and um, then cut what he needed to cut in order to open up some fresh skin in order to let it heal. However gross it all sounds. Uh, Yeah. So we did that. And then it was um, two weeks later. Finally, I was all healed at eight weeks. Wow. It it was finally closed. Not all healed. Yes, of course. I'm sure it takes a lot. Does it, is the area still painful? Yeah, Yeah. it is. And it, and, and at this day that we're recording, how long has it been since you gave birth? We are going on week 17. Okay. Mm-hmm. So still painful. Still painful. It's a different, maybe not painful, but very tender. And yeah. what I didn't really understand is that it will take a while, not because it doesn't heal just straight like a, like a regular healing, like you would think. What happens during a C-section is they cut through your nerves. Yeah. And as your nerves grow back together, then you start getting those sensations back Mm. in places that you didn't have them. So I'm feeling tenderness in places I didn't feel tenderness before, Mm. you know? Mm. So that's kind of what's happening is it's not like you have surgery and then that surgery heals you while your nerves and everything heal, that's all going to continue to heal and you're going to get new sensations. Other places will heal. You won't feel tenderness there, but you're going to feel tenderness in new places that have just gotten their nerves back. Wow. That's great to know about. Yeah. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. So around my incision, I still have tenderness. There are places where I don't, still don't have any feeling. I may never get feeling. They tell you, you may never get it back. Um, but I'm very comfortable overall. It's, right. it's not like it doesn't shut me down or stop me from doing anything. It just here and there, if you put your pants on in a wrong place, you sort of have to adjust them. <laughs> right. How has this all, I mean, it seems like such a silly question. It's a question I ask everybody, but I think it's important. It sounds silly because, of course, your relationship with your body has changed. But the question is, 
How has your relationship with your body changed since giving birth and experiencing all these things that you've experienced? It's strange getting to know a new body. Um, bed rest especially changed it. To be honest, I left the hospital five pounds heavier than when I got pregnant. So I basically, the boys took everything <laughs> when they delivered. And then I lost another almost 15 pounds after within the first two months. Oh, wow. So you were 15 pounds below your pre-pregnancy yeah. weight. Yeah. Roughly 10, 10-ish give or take a few pounds. Um, so I'm getting to know a whole new body. I had to go out. I didn't have a single pair of pants that fit. I had to go out and buy all new pants, but in three sizes smaller. And my muscles were different. My knees are different. My hips are different. My stomach muscles are completely different. It's just, it's just getting to know a whole different body. Everything feels different when you move. Clothing sits differently. But I'm proud of it because I never thought that my body could do what it did. Hmm. So it's been nice kind of getting to just know a different body and a new yeah. body. And like, this is, this is like a baby body right. that made babies. And I'm just happy that that's what happened. It's not the same. It'll never be the same. My belly button will always look weird, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I'm just proud. I'm proud of it. And so I'm really happy getting to know a new body. Mm-hmm. How do you feel that birth has changed your sexuality? I mean, you're still pretty recent. Your babies yeah. are young. And I know for me, it was quite a journey to Ugh. get to that place of feeling sexy again. But have you gotten to even that that thought yet? Or is it too soon? We So it's we have definitely had sex. It's different. It feels different. How long did you wait? Do you mind if I ask? I mean, you had a, a crazy recovery. We so. had to wait until I was 10 weeks postpartum before we were able to have sex. Mm -hmm. And did you do it because you really wanted to? Or did you feel like, okay, it's time to like, it's been so long because you were in pelvic bed rest? Or where was your mental state around that? Because I know a lot of women kind of do it even before they feel like it. Right. I wanted to. I was ready. Okay. I would say that my sexual drive isn't back yet, mm -hmm. like it was. It could be just a combination of everything, probably exhaustion. <laughs> I, I, I still but, haven't found a woman that's sexual drive is going hard. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, in the first year. Yeah. Uh, especially if you have twins. My God, mm -hmm. I'm very impressed that you did it at 10 weeks, girl. So it's. I think the hard part is letting go of the fact that my body kind of looks different. For me, I'm super proud of it, but it looks different. I have a giant scar across the bottom part. My skin stretched out a lot. So I still kind of feel like jello in the middle. You know, that's something that they don't necessarily talk about, but your stomach muscles feel like jello for a while. And I still feel like that. And we're at 17 weeks. So while I'm proud of my body, it can kind of take some time to like understand if my husband's proud of my body mm -hmm. and it looks different. And so it's hard to let go of that mental thought, you know, no matter how much he's like, I love you and I love what you look like. And to me, you're fantastic. And you gave me my kids and it looks amazing. Like all of that is the reason our family is like it is. So I find it attractive. It can be hard to believe it, believe it. 
and hard to let go of that thought in the middle of like, does he really enjoy this scar or does it turn him off? Or does he really enjoy the extra skin on my belly that sort of just hangs there right now? Or does he not like it? Or, and you know, my, like I said, my hips don't move like they used to, and my legs don't move like they used to. And so it's going to take, again, getting used to a new body, getting used to a new motion that will do it for me, mm-hmm. you know, to be just blatant is like, I knew what did it for me before, but things are in a different place. Your organs get so shifted around. <laughs> so true. And like, I haven't even potentially had time to figure out where my new go-to places are. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to tell him like, hey, this is what I'm going to need now. And, right. and it's a new, it's just, it's a new body, not yeah. only getting used to it for clothes and moving and day-to-day tasks, but. And you got two new little dudes sucking on your boobs. So yeah. that's a weird thing for, yeah. for me. I was just like, oh, how can I, like, that doesn't feel sexual anymore. Right. Like, please don't touch those <laughs> right now. You're like, I kind of want to, <laughs> but no, want to, it's weird. Yeah. No, uh, it's weird. I can't like feed a baby and then put them to sleep and a half an hour later have my husband use them for something sexual. Like that just, it is a weird a, mental. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like your mind and body are at war there. A right. Little bit. You know, because before that, before they're feeding babies, they are sexual. Like that's mm-hmm. what you use them for. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what your husband uses them for. So to have, to be like, have this really nice and nurturing and comforting experience with your baby and then to all of a sudden be like, well, now it's their sexual things. It's, it's a weird, it doesn't quite work. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it probably for me probably won't work until they aren't associated with my babies anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so crazy. And then the rest of it, the rest of it will follow and it'll happen. And, but it's just getting used to a whole new body. It's almost like you feel almost like you're back to, you know, when you started figuring that out. How does this work? Right. What do I do? Where do I? That's touch exactly myself? right. You almost feel like you don't know how to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, how should I move my hips? And it's that same feeling of: Is he enjoying this? Does he really like this? Is he just doing this because he thinks he should? Or like, it's just—it's a whole different mental thought of, and it'll get there, and we'll eventually get back. But right. I found that the most important thing I'm reminding myself of all the time is just be patient with yourself. I found that it took me a lot longer to feel normal in my vagina yes, uh, than anyone had ever made it seem like it would. And I felt like really upset about it, you know? And I felt like, am I ever going to feel like myself again? Am mm-hmm. I ever going to like be able to enjoy my body? Right. Like what happened to me? And I think it's just nice to know that every timeline is different. And if you can just continually remind yourself that your feelings are valid and you don't have to worry today about what it's going to be like in a year. It might take a year. It might take yeah. two years. Everybody's different, right? But if you can just keep communicating with your partner and try to just, you know, help them understand what you're going through a little better, then it's it's going to kind of strengthen your relationship yeah. in the long run. I keep reminding myself it took my body almost nine months to get here. Mm-hmm. So I can't even start to think that my body will go back within nine months. Mm-hmm. You know, at the nine month mark, maybe that's where I start thinking like, okay, is this well, you had two? So and double I had two. it. So, say 18 so 18 months. Because I would say, I, you know, 
currently I'm nine months postpartum. And for me, it definitely took nine months Mm -hmm. just very recently till I started feeling like myself again. Yeah. I can still tell my organs aren't back where they're supposed to be. Right. You know, nothing. I mean, my stomach is not in the same place. My pancreas is not in the same place. My intestines are not in the same place. And I'm at four months pretty much. Mm -hmm. And it could take, you know, way longer. But being the most open and just don't feel like you need to have sex if you don't want to. Don't feel like you owe that to somebody. Definitely don't feel like you owe that to him or to anybody. Um, But also be willing to communicate why you're not feeling like yourself. Because if they don't know, then they just assume that you don't love them anymore. You don't like them as much as the babies. And I mean, they have no idea. Men have no idea what women go through truly. And I hope a lot of men listen to this because... It's really hard to have, especially two babies who have fed on me all day and one or the other needs to be held. So I have somebody touching me almost 24 hours a day. And I can tell you that as soon as I get both of them to sleep and I finally get that half an hour where somebody's not touching me, it's really hard to say, you know what? I really want somebody else to touch me. That's exactly right. And that's what's hard. And there are nights where like, okay, yeah, I do. I really want that touch from you and I want that relationship back and I want to like have that physical touch. But there are a lot of nights where it's like, it's not you. It's just, I've had two beings touching me all day. Day and night and all All day. The The last thing I want is somebody else touching me. Yeah. Let alone have two minutes to yourself. Because like sometimes I like end up with maybe five minutes by myself all day. Mm-hmm. And that can be its own challenge on right. top of, you know, just like wanting to be around someone. Right. You know, I guess my my last question is, what advice would you give? Does anything really stand out in your mind that you want other women to know? I think my biggest advice after having everything is do not go into your pregnancy with that amazing social media movie pregnancy in mind. If you get it, that's amazing. If you get to go to your baby shower, all your baby showers, if you get that perfect baby moon that you've always wanted, if you get every doctor's appointment to be low stress and no bad news, that is incredible. And I hope that every pregnancy ends up being like that. But go into your pregnancy guarded a little bit and just keep the thought in your back of your mind that all of that could go away, but it If it does, it's totally worth it for the baby at the end. You can take a trip after the baby's born. You can have a baby shower after the baby's born. You can do everything. It's not the end of the world. If the only job you have for the entire 40 weeks is to grow the baby, that's your only job. And whatever else you get to do on top of that is a bonus. That would be what I would tell myself when I started the process, your job is to grow babies. Yeah. And if you get to do anything else on top of that, fantastic. But if you get to do nothing else on top of that, just growing a baby is enough for 40 weeks. And you're enough for having just grown a baby if that's the only thing that you do for 40 weeks. Yeah. I wish I had that in my mind during my pregnancy. Yeah. Because I always felt like, oh, I wasn't doing enough. Because, I mean, 
my pregnancy was nothing as bad as a lot of people's are, but I was vomiting the entire time. But even those days where you feel like I didn't get a load of laundry done today, I feel like a piece of shit because my husband went to work all day and made money. That's I fine. couldn't get up off the bathroom floor I all day. I couldn't get off the bathroom floor. But <laughs> yeah. you have those thoughts when yeah. you're like, I did, no- I did nothing to contribute to this family all day. Mm-hmm. And you just have to remind yourself like, no, I literally built this family today. You're literally building <laughs> human life. Yeah. I contributed more to this family today than a lot of people ever get to. It is hard to feel that way, but it is so true. Right. Yeah. Just growing a baby is enough. It's more than enough, actually. It's more than (laughs) enough. And growing two babies. Oh, man. It's a wild ride. It's definitely, you've, you've done well. You've done really well. Well, thank you so much. That was such a story. And I feel incredibly blessed that you've shared this today. Yeah, thanks. Thank you yeah. for having me. I know mean, it's a, it was a wild ride from start to finish. Thank you again to this fearless warrior woman for sharing her incredible story with me. I honestly don't think my jaw has ever been on the floor for that long of a time before. She's incredible. And thank you to you, listener, for your iTunes reviews. Keep them coming. They're making me so, so happy. It's such a wonderful way to give back to me. I feel so supported every time I read your reviews. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Make sure you rate and subscribe and share the show with all your friends and loved ones who might feel encouraged and empowered by these stories. Early motherhood is hard and it's sometimes lonely, but it doesn't have to be. Visit birthshow.com for some wonderful resources that will help you on your own journey into motherhood and join our tribe by following us on Instagram at birthshow at birthshow. I'm so glad you're here and I cannot wait to be with you again next week. I'm Christy Williams, and this is Birth. This is a Sync Studios production.